Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danka and Ryan Huang. It is the 1st of July, start of a brand new month. That's when we focus and review the market's past performance for the month of June. We'll take a look a little bit at the first half of this year. And, well, uh, we'll look ahead and uh, see what potential bright spots there may be as we approach this brand new month. On the line helping us, as always, is David Ko, the co-founder of The Smart Investor. Good morning, David. Uh, good morning, Elliot. Are there any bright spots? <laughs> Studio's uh, looking pretty bright. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into that, let's quickly go through, uh, was, what was a personal highlight for you for the month of June, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's all about reflection, right? And I think the highlight for me, oddly enough, was getting COVID-19 last month. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> so it gave me lots of time to think about things and just reset my clock when it came to, you know, getting recharged. Just back to work and back on my personal agenda for many things, you know, just having downtime to sort out all my admin stuff, you know, clean up the house and just get in touch with all my friends. So it was a good reset on that front. In other words, getting COVID's boring. <laughs> for me, I watched Top Gun twice. That's about it. <laughs> David, what about you, man? Wow. For me, it has to be Harmony Tan beating Serena Williams in Wimbledon. At Wimbledon, yeah? Yeah, Five, yeah. Five, seven, six, one, six, seven. I mean, what a shock it was for Serena Williams. I mean, and, Serena's yeah. like 40, she's a new mom. It's, it's always going to be tough for her, right, physically. And the longer the match went on, I think, you know, the tougher it was going to be yeah. for Serena. But, yeah. you know, it just goes to show that anything can happen in sports. True. And, uh, yeah, well, all, all due respect to... Serena, but what great joy for Harmony Tan. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. hope she goes on to do better things. Yeah, she was overjoyed. You think she's done, Serena, just very quickly? Um, I don't think so. I yeah. think she'll come back. You know, there's, there's life in the old dog yet, you know. Uh, <laughs> just like me, Elliot. Of course, yeah? David, I mean, of course. Yeah. I, I always your, see your... The, the fire in your eyes, the sparkle in your eyes, David. <laughs> Gosh, no sparkle though for the S&P 500 because it had its worst half since 1970. Do you think the second half will get any better? I think it's going to be pretty tough. I think when you have a look at uh, what is going on uh, in the US economy and when you, have, when you listen to what the Federal Reserve is saying, I think there is nobody should be in any doubt whatsoever that the Federal Reserve is determined to get inflation under control. And that just simply means more quantitative tightening. And it just means that uh, interest rates are going to continue to rise and more money is going to be withdrawn uh, from the market. And that really is what quantitative tightening is all about. So we're going to have to have a look at those economic numbers very closely. Mm -hmm. And we're already seeing some. I mean, Ryan has already alluded to some in terms of the personal consumption over in America. And the simple truth is, if it's not hurting, then it's not working. Mm -hmm. And it's got to hurt in order to bring down inflation. Okay, so I was watching an interview that talked about inflation and they likened inflation to, you know, that relationship where that other half just is just too clingy and doesn't want to go away. So you've got to really hurt them and cut them off. Fed Chair Jerome Powell saying he's determined to control inflation. I mean, how should investors read into this? Well, I think what we need to remember is that inflation is ultimately damaging the money that we have put to one side. And that really what inflation is all about. It's eating away at our savings. And if you don't get inflation under control, then every dollar that you put away is going to be worth less in a year's time. So if inflation is running at, say, 6% earlier, uh, if we put $100 away today and we just simply put it under the mattress, that $100 will only buy us $94 a 
dollars worth of stuff at the end of the year. That is what 6% inflation means. So if, if you, if you want to see your money shrink, then yeah, by all means, so cheer on inflation. But oh gosh. Uh, what, we really, what we really want is to get inflation under control. Yeah. And that is what the Fed is going to do. Well, they want 2%, but 6%, it's far, far off their targets. It's going to take quite a while before we get this under control, right? You have hit the nail right on the head, Elliot. And, and that really is why people need to be very aware. I mean, we've already seen yesterday that the DBS has raised uh, yes. the interest rate on fixed rate mortgages. Yes. And that is what inflation and that is what rising interest rates means to people. So don't walk around, don't sleepwalk, you know, into believing that everything is going to be fine. Correct. It is going to hurt. And if interest rates start to go up, and when you have a look at a bank like DBS, who is now refusing to offer fixed rate mortgages mm. beyond two years, it goes to show that they in some doubt as to how high uh, the interest rates can go. They're not going to fix your interest rates for five years if they think that interest rates are going to carry on rising. And so consequently, I think every homeowner needs to be very aware that interest rates are going to go up, your mortgage repayments are going to go up, and uh, that therefore means that you're going to have less money in your pocket to spend. For sure. And you will be also raising the latest to raise rates, right? So talking about, about mortgages and, and banks, right? So on another perspective, is this good news for bank shares, at least, and definitely not so good news for property? Well, okay. Uh, there are two separate questions there. Is sure. this good news for the banks? You only have to have a look at the front page of the Business Times today, which says that fixed deposits losing their allure as yields spike on Singapore savings bonds. So what is that telling you, Elliot? That uh, the banks are increasing the interest rates on borrowers, but they're not really increasing their interest rates on savers. And when you do that, then that margin, that difference between the money that they can earn on lending you money mm. versus the money that they will uh, have to pay you on you putting money into the bank is going to start to widen. So is it going to be good for the bank? Yes, that interest rate margin is going to widen. So therefore, their net interest income the income that they make on the difference between those two interest rates are going to increase over time. So I think it is going to be good for the banks. But the downside of that is how much of the loans that they have extended to borrowers could go sour mm. if the economy doesn't perform. Yes. So we have to look at that sort of non-performing loans of the bad debt side of the banks. But I think, you know, the bad debt side is not going to be anywhere near as bad as people think, but the other side, the income that they're going to be earning on that difference between those two interest rates is going to start to improve, and that is going to be good for the bank's bottom line profits. Mm. Sticking with the theme of property, right, this month marks 20 years of REITs in Singapore, you know, Singapore being REITs, capital of the world, that type of thing. What do you look for when you are trying to form a portfolio of REITs? I think the operative word is portfolio. So mm. therefore, what you need to do is to make sure that you have a widespread of REITs within that particular portfolio. So you could have some healthcare REITs, you could have some commercial REITs, you can have some industrial REITs, you can have some data center REITs. So what you need is a broad range of REITs and don't always go for the one that has the highest yield. Uh, that can sometimes be uh, quite, quite dangerous. So what I tend to do is I, I take a look at a broad swathe of REITs and I pick the ones in the middle. So I discard the ones that have the lowest uh, distribution yield and I also discard the ones that have the highest distribution yield and I go for the ones in the middle. Then I compare those kind of companies and I just try and find out how much are they earning in terms of the rental on the properties that they have. It's a term called the capitalization rate. 
and is not very widely reported. You have to do some digging yourself, but have a look at the ones that have a good capitalization rate, not excessive, because if it's excessive, it means that they're charging their tenants too much. If it's too low, it means they're not charging tenants enough, mm. but those in the middle are okay. So my portfolio of Rita is doing reasonably well, and uh, the income keeps on coming in, and uh, I'm generally quite happy, even though if you have a look at the index of the, of the REITs here in Singapore, uh, you can find that under the the IHS REIT index. Okay. Uh, that is down about 5% year to date. But don't worry too much about the, the returns uh, as stated on that. But look instead at the income that is coming back from your REITs. And you won't be too disappointed because some of these REITs are able to increase their distributions. Mm. Uh, just one more question before Ryan takes over and touches on the winners and losers in the market for the month of June. David, I'm trying to understand the situation in China. It, now mm. suddenly it's like back in fashion again to invest in China. Uh, for example, we have better than expected economic data yesterday. Official manufacturing PMI up 50.2 in June. And now the CSI 300 index now on the brink of a bull market. It's really about balancing between the long-term narrative of investment in China versus the short-term COVID-0 policies that they have well uh, I, I tell you what Elliot uh, when, <laughs> when I have look at when I have a look at that data that came out from China one side of me said oh it's great because it means that China is coming back on stream it means that some of those bottlenecks that we've been hearing about that supply chain disruption could actually uh, start to become unblocked and that is good news for everyone okay. but then I've got the other side of me say when China comes back when China comes roaring back it also means that the Chinese consumers and, of course, you know, the Chinese companies are going to start consuming more energy, more food. Now, we know that when we were talking about inflation, one of the biggest drivers of inflation has been energy. Mm. So I was just having a look at my energy bills the other day, mm. and I compare that with what I was spending a year ago. And, of course, it's a lot higher. Now, if China comes back and they don't solve the energy problem over in Ukraine and Russia, and oil is still uh, going to be above $100 a barrel, it could actually send oil prices even higher than they are now. So we could be looking back and in a year's time and saying, oh, really? Oil is at $200 a barrel now? And that could be frightening for everyone. So it it really is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it's good because it means that supply chains could be unblocked. But then on the other hand, it means that consumption by Chinese consumers and factories is going to increase and that could be bad news for inflation. So I don't know which side of the fence I'm going to be on, but I'm just uh, being very careful at the moment, Elliot. All right, tough on a call for the rest of the year. We've been uh, trying David Kuo. He's the co-founder for The Smart Investor. David, let's check with you on the first six months of the year. A bit of a review. And if you look at what STI has been doing in the first six months, we started January at 3,134 points. It's now at 3,102. Not much change. Uh, just down slightly by 0.7%. And if you look at the S&P 500, it's down nearly 21%. So overview of how Singapore has been doing in the first half of the year, would you say it's been doing quite okay relative to the rest of markets in view of how investors have been looking at it as a bit of a safe haven place to find safety? Okay, when we have a look at those index numbers, we are looking at those pure numbers. So for those people who are looking at whether or not they've been making money or losing money, you would say that they were just generally treading water. 
We started at 3134 on the 1st of January, and yesterday it ended at 3102. So that was virtually flat. But during that period of time, uh, if you have been invested in the market, you would have got dividends. And so therefore, it hasn't really been as bad as those numbers would in any way suggest. So uh, in terms of the income investor, it's been okay. It just simply means that uh, your capital hasn't shrunk Mm. that much. uh, But in the meantime, you have got yourself some income. But within uh, the indices, there have been some companies that have done fabulously. And then we've got some that have done pretty badly. So it's a bit like that Wimbledon analogy. You know, we've got some Harmony Cans in there. And we've also got some Serena Williamses. Yes. So there have been some that, that, that have beaten the market significantly and there have been some that have lost to the market quite significantly also, Brian. Yeah, they were talking about dividends. Investors love to look at REITs for dividends and this month marks the 20th anniversary of Astreets listing on the SGX. Now, for the first time, was back in 2002 when we had Capital Malls Trust and REITs among the biggest losers, interestingly, in the first six months of this year. Uh, what's happening here for REITs? Why do they seem to be falling out of favour? Well, okay. I think what we need to recognise is that when you have a look at the, the REIT sector, if you are purely an income investor, those three REITs that have done relatively poorly in the market in the first six months, uh, we've got Capital Data Centre REIT, we've got Fraser Logistics and Commercial REIT, and we've also got uh, Maple Tree Logistics REIT. So uh, those have been down between 20% and 11%. So anyone invested in those will be very disappointed in terms of the capital depreciation that those REITs have generated for you. But in the meantime, they have also been paying you dividends. Mm. We have to remember that the the market is a strange place. A lot of investors out there tend to equate REITs with bonds. Uh, They think that there is this um, similarity between REITs and bonds. And so consequently, when they think that interest rates are going to go up, and they have gone up, then they tend to sell their REITs, which is why we're we're getting this sort of capital loss in terms of those three REITs within the uh, straight funds index. But... REITs are not the same as bonds. And so what we need to recognize is that when you invest in a REIT, you're actually investing in property, you're investing in a landlord who is going to be renting that property to their tenant. And in the case of those three REITs, I would say that they still have tenants and they, you, you only have to sometimes sort of go over to some of the malls that are operated by CICT, Capital and Integrated Commercial Trust, formerly CMT, and have a look to see just how busy those uh, those shopping centres are. And so therefore, I'm not too worried about the REIT, and I just see them as a good buying opportunity for the long term, Ryan. Yeah, David, just to wrap things up, um, with the rising rates environment, uh, when you look at REITs, what does this do for REITs? Is this going to be a hit win for REITs? Um, well, I think um, probably not. What it, could also, uh, what it could mean, Ryan, is that the interest that they have to pay on those loans. And, and don't forget that REITs tend to borrow a lot of money in order to buy those properties that, that they rent out. Those interest rates could go up and it could hit the REITs. But at the same time, if you are the owner of a good property, if you are a REIT that owns good property, you should be able to pass on any of those increases uh, to your tenants. And so therefore, I'm not too concerned about the REITs. And for the long term, I would say that uh, they are a good buying opportunity. And that's what I'm telling our members. All right. We've been speaking with David Kaur, the co-founder of The Smart Investor. David, appreciate your time as always. Take care. Have a great day ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks. 
Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.